Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Shark Pod with me, your host, Luke Curry, out here in Greystone Studios, North Wicklow. Um, I've got my brother-in-law, my brother-in-arms out there in uh, in Glenageary, uh, Mark Baker. How's it going, Mark Baker? I'm great, Luke. How are you? I'm I'm great. You know what? I hit a a, a milestone, one of uh, you know a stretch goal that I was trying to do um, this year, financially speaking, and uh, I'm kind of like, what's next? You know, I didn't, yeah. You know, I, I'm not like, <clears throat> let's go buy something. Although I think I'm gonna buy a. Uh, a an electric drum kit <laughs> do you know i just decided that now i was listening to everlong by um the foo fighters and i was just like i'd love to be able to play that in the the drums me and mark have been for the listeners out there me and mark have been trying to find some some music with a little bit of guitar a little bit of drum you know some old you know the old way instruments mm. you know and i keep on going down the kind of uh leonard skinner <laughs> route uh, and it's hard to find some new stuff out there you know some some unapologetic rock. Just give it to me. I don't want to. Don't I don't like. So. Don't kind of like wrap it in. In I was gonna say. Why are you getting? Why are you getting involved? Why am I getting involved? I in just, the making of the music. Well, I was thinking I got a um I got a, a guitar uh, and a banjo and lots of other things. I got a uh, a fiddle as well when I was a child. Uh, none of those things worked out. I think it's because I can't do anything very creative with my hands, like an artistic way. But I think I could yeah. smash things in rhythm. <laughs> I was playing. I was playing the uh, pen, uh, the pen drum kit while I was waiting for Mark. Listen to, you know. So, I, so, I get, so a man with a soon to be one year old child is going to get a drum kit. Yeah. Let's, well, let's see if that gets past your wife. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. It's been on my Christmas list for Santa. Anyway, today on the podcast we are going to talk about. The Obstacle is the Way uh, by Ryan Holiday. Um, Ryan Holiday is an interesting guy in himself. Um, he uh, has written 12 books on Stoicism or things cr- like connected with Stoicism. Um, last, a couple of, I think it was like last month, we did a, uh, a philosophy one where people really liked um, the podcast about Friedrich Nietzsche. Um, and I mean, I, I really enjoyed kind of doing a deep dive on that, the whole Ubermensch Superman thing really enjoyed that um now we're kind of taking uh, a different angle now we're going to talk about the stoics we're going to talk about stoicism as a uh philosophical um a concept um so like the before we kind of go dive into the the book here um stoicism for me is like avoiding emotional extremes that's kind of what i was thinking there um what's the What's it for you, Mark? Is that kind of is that nailed down for you? Yeah. <clears throat> well, as you know, Luke, I have a degree in Greek and Roman civilization, so right. I have studied the philosophers uh, of of Greek times, and I cannot remember much at all. <laughs> well, today is going to be a podcast for Mark then, uh, because in, <laughs> yeah, in one ear, and yeah, I was in the gym then. I think most of the time during college, uh, so out the other. But uh, no, it was it was always interesting. Some of it was a bit too. I don't know, yeah, like a bit too deep. Yeah. But uh, I always, I definitely, um, you know, the way we like we say we like reading books that already kind of reaffirm what we already think. Yeah, I definitely think 
I was kind of stoic by nature, by my natural personality. When I start reading about it and Marcus Aurelius and stuff, I was like, yeah, yeah well, that's that's obvious, isn't it? You know? Yeah, exactly. So the two, that's the, the two kind of stoic philosophers that we're going to be kind of you know, touching on are Seneca and Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius wrote a, a journal um, back in the day when he was doing his conquering or, you know, when he's on the warpath and uh, being the, the Roman emperor. And um, he wrote a book and then they turned it into a book called Meditations, which is quite good if anyone wants to have a look at that. But the book we're talking about today is The Obstacle Is The Way. And uh, like I said, Ryan Holiday, interesting guy, left college when he was 19. Um, he then became like head of, head of marketing for American Apparel or something. Like, you know, crazy, big job, kind of out of nowhere. Um, I know I heard him on a podcast talking about how he got that job or how that came about, but uh, super interesting guy. He then kind of quits that and goes to be a uh, an apprentice with Robert Greene. So for those people out there, you will be familiar with Robert Greene as a, uh, a prolific kind of uh, New York bestseller. He's written 49 Laws, Laws of Power, Laws of Seduction, Laws of Human Nature. You know, very, very successful guy. Um, wrote, wrote another book called The 50th Law with my man, uh, 50 Cent. Yeah. Um, so, you know, <laughs> uh, basically he had cracked the code about how to write very popular books. Um, so Ryan Holiday was his kind of uh, apprentice and has gone on to be successful in his own right um, around that. So this is kind of a, a kind of a, a side um, uh, interesting bit, with, you know, going to work for somebody that you really admire and then becoming that yourself. Um, he's very he's actually quite young, isn't he? Well, when he wrote this book, he was in his mid 20s, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think he's I believe he's 34 or 35 right mm. now. So he's still kind of in his prime, um, mm. which is great. And we've got a little for those of the people who haven't had a chance to read the book. Uh, we're going to try to do one of these a month, say kind of like the Shark Pod book club, um, just to kind of keep our, our reading game strong. Um, but we've got a little uh, a little kind of intro here or a little synopsis by the author, Ryan Holiday. So I thought we might kick that off and we can kind of dig in after that. What do you think, Mark? Yep, go for it. Sometime in the year about 170 AD, at night in his tent on the front lines of the war in Germania, Marcus Aurelius, the emperor of the Roman Empire, sat down to write. It may have been at dawn, the palace in Rome, or perhaps he stole a few seconds to himself during the games. When and where it was doesn't really matter that much. What matters is that this man, at the time the most powerful man in the world, he sat down to write something both to himself and for himself. And that idea, it survives to us. What he wrote, it's a pretty simple quote, but basically he said, our actions may be impeded, but there can be no impeding our intentions or dispositions because we can accommodate and adapt. The mind adapts and converts to its own purposes the obstacle to our acting. And then Marcus, he concluded with these words that are, I think, a maxim for anyone. He said, the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. And so this concept is critical to a philosophy known as Stoicism. It's part of an exercise in that philosophy known as turning obstacles upside down. It's basically the premise. We don't control what happens to us, but we do control how we respond to what happens to us. And in this way, there is no such thing as a setback or a problem or an obstacle. There's simply an opportunity 
to do something different. Maybe not what we thought, but what we needed or not maybe what we would have preferred, but still good enough to work with. And so this is a philosophical idea, of course, but it's also a recipe for entrepreneurship, for personal happiness, for navigating a world that is inherently unpredictable. It's a philosophy for self-made individuals, for resilient and robust individuals, people who understand that they don't control these outside forces, but they do control their internal forces. And so the book for me is the idea of taking this ancient philosophy that is both timeless and modern at the same time and illustrating it with historical stories, whether we're talking Thomas Edison or Ulysses S. Grant or Amelia Earhart or Gandhi, Erwin Rommel, the German general, to uh, Demosthenes, the Athenian orator, John D. Rockefeller is another story I tell in the book, even Steve Jobs. I'm, I'm looking at great men and women who throughout history have responded to problems and obstacle and adversity, some great and some small, but they've all responded to it in the same way, which is that they used it as an opportunity. In fact, it was these difficulties that made those people great. And so look, all of us, we have something in front of us. We have an obstacle, an issue, a frustration, an unexpected problem, or if we're not encountering it right now, we will in the future. Well, what if that thing wasn't so bad? What if embedded inside of it were certain benefits, benefits for just you? What would you do if that was your attitude? How much better would you be? And the reality is most of us, when we're faced with problems, we, we are paralyzed, we're stuck. We say, this is unfair, that I don't want it to be this way. We look to blame someone, we look to investigate what caused it, instead of dealing with the actual thing that's right in front of us. And so, of course, uh, we have fear and frustration and confusion and helplessness and depression and anger. Um, because those are the only emotions, that, those are the emotions that we've enabled and allowed ourselves to have. And what the Stoics do, and, and what I've broken this book down, is they sort of break the philosophy down into these three very important disciplines. The first discipline is perception. That's how you see the problem. If you decide to see it as horrible or unfair or insurmountable, it in many ways will be those things. And that's not to say that Stoicism is the secret and how you see things magically uh, makes them that way. We're still going to have to get into action, which is the next discipline. But the story you tell yourself about a thing has a great impact on what that thing actually will be for you. And so next, if you've told yourself that this thing, although problematic and, and unfortunate and upsetting, or maybe not even upsetting, it just it, that it is what it is, but that you can in fact do something about it, what's next is to do something about it. So that leads to the discipline of action. That's the, the desire to actually take action, to do something about your problem, to respond to it with creativity and with persistence and with some, some ingenuity, with using what you have to the best of your ability. These are the sort of the, the stoicism in action, right? And then the final part, yeah, that's, that's what we control about a given problem, right? Is the action we take about it. And then the sort of final third of the book is probably my favorite. This is the discipline of the will. Now the will is looking at the parts of the things that we don't control, right? We don't control that we're all gonna die. We don't control that people might try to hurt us in life or they might try to screw us over. We don't control the fact that not only will that happen, but we're not always gonna be prepared for it. So what do we do about that, right? So the, the discipline of the will is, is sort of building that inner fortitude, that strength, that's understanding our own mortality, that's understanding that there are things that are bigger than us and there has to be causes bigger than us that we dedicate ourselves to. Um, there's this great Stoic concept, amor fati, which in Latin means a love of fate and the Stoic accepting and embracing and loving what happened to them, even if it was bad. I tell the story of Thomas Edison, his factory burned down and his words to his son were, go get your mother and all her friends, they'll never see a fire like this again. And what he was saying is like, look, crying about it isn't gonna do anything, but I can at least enjoy it. And then the next day I can get back to work and I can do something about it. And that's in fact, 
sort of exactly what he did. And so stoicism is this idea that in everything that happens to us, there's a chance to practice excellence, to practice virtue, to improve our position in life. And, and this is an idea that is both very Western and very Eastern, right? There's also the Eastern saying, uh, the Zen proverb, the obstacle is the path. And so the book is me combining these ideas. It's embracing, as Benjamin Franklin said, the things which hurt instruct and focusing on instead of how do we reduce adversity and obstacles in our life, how do we how do we figure out how to take advantage of it? How do we how do we learn how to seize the events that paralyze everyone else? And so I, I thought maybe I'd end. There's a, there's a quote from Marcus Aurelius again that I think embodies the ideas in the book quite well. He said, objective judgment now at this very moment, unselfish action now at this very moment, willing acceptance now at this very moment of all external events. That's all you need. And so that so there you go, Mark. That's kind of the book in a nutshell. Um, so we'll go through the three different areas of the book as well. So like, you know, I've, I've made some notes. But generally speaking, it's it, it's kind of stoicism kind of like woven into loads of different things. I think there's a little bit of um, anti-fragility, that book, kind of like, you know, um, it's how you see problems rather than the actual problems. Um, I think there's a little bit of Buddhism in there as well because it's the, it's, it, the Buddhism and the meditations that they're doing, they're trying to figure out a way to get a gap between stimulus and reaction. Mm. Right? And the monkey mind has no gap. You hit me, I freak out. Do you know? If, the, if I can think about you know what to do next instead of freaking out, I'd be better off. I think that <clears throat> um, stoicism is that thing of kind of stepping back looking at problems as if there is always a always a a counter move to what's happening um, mm. and i think that the power of this is really that if you can do that when other people can't they can't really compete with you you know um like how how many people do you talk to on a daily basis that are freaking out about stuff that's you know happening to them or happening to society or the country or you know things in the news that they're panicking about um and how many people are saying there's there's a real there's an obstacle that I have a, a an opportunity to to overcome? Uh, yeah, I was thinking there's obviously a reason that that humans are built to react like that. So with stoicism, it makes complete sense to me. But in a way, it's like is that taken away from like natural reactions? They're all there for a reason. So why should we try suppress all these things that? come natural to us as human beings i would i would say it's it's a good, like it's kind of like trying to evolve into a different type of ubermensch you know it's trying to mm -hmm. it's trying to get it beyond the the self because the reactionary like being proactive is is how you win the war in the end right it's not by being reactive when you're attacked and dwelling on that do you know um, it's about, so when you, you have a business, when you get bad news, which I'm sure you get all the time, you know, for on different yeah. things, um, reacting to that in a, uh, an emotional way won't help you grow your business, you know? No, or, <clears throat> not really. I think part of it could ignite a fire and like, oh, that happened. I'm going to make sure that never happens again because it made me feel like this, or I'm going to make sure. I'll double down on something to make sure because I lost one thing, I'm going to get two things. So I'm just, I, just, I worry sometimes if you're kind of too level headed, that takes the fire out of your belly. Okay. I think that you're, it's, it's what 
a lot of people worry about with um, Buddhism as well, where mm. if I get too zen out, I won't want to do anything. Well, that's the idea, you know, that that's the way. <laughs> <laughs> like, but in life, do you not have to be, you know, constantly worried and living on the edge, you know? But this, <laughs> this is kind of the opposite of that. So basically, and we'll go to that when we go to the, the, the last part of the book, which is the will chapter. Um, mm. It's all about knowing where you're going. So that's the, like, whatever the wind is, you, you know what port you're sailing to. You know? So if it goes out of the way, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't, there's no time limit on what you're trying to do. There's no. Yeah. Isn't knowing where you're going, isn't that like the solution to so many problems? <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? Now that I think about it. Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about it, the vision. Um, the vision, yeah. Well, yeah. people do not, a lot of people, like they do not have it. Like they might have one for the week, the month, the year would be super, you know. Yeah. But I, when I done the big goal setting thing for myself a couple of months ago, my life's completely changed because of it. Not midlife, but like definitely the way I think about things and how I react to things. And I was never a big, react. I never react big to things, you know, out of control anyway. But I can definitely, keep, my mind keeps going back to that say five-year goal yeah um it's a great way of kind of steering you on course yeah i think that's really good as well i think you um underestimate your stoic behavior i think for me i can go crazy at things and then mm. in two minutes later i'm back to normal and everyone thinks that i'm still angry about that i'm like oh that's ages ago do you know yeah um, i did i've noticed that about yeah a lot of people in your family (laughs) (laughs) and it's something that when i first experienced i was like whoa where's the fallout of this you know you can go from zero to 100 and then just get over it yeah i think i've got better at that over the over the years for sure but i still i can i can when things are if i think somebody is trying to like wrong me or Mm. if i think it's uh like i can get very angry about it you know and that doesn't help at all, do you know? Uh, and in this case, like we're talking about perception. So let's let's dig into the the actual book. The first. Can one. I just say one thing? There was just on those three things. So you have perception, action, and will. The three things that came to my head, three quotes <clears throat> that you hear quite a lot that actually kind of sum up these three things. So number one, perception. Always look on the bright side. You know how people say that. Yeah. That's kind of what that is. Uh, action is all about you know control control your controllables that's another quote that people say all the time and i've used it a lot particularly in the last year and a half and third will where does a will does a way it's not really kind of summed them up you've kind of summed up the book there mark so next week we're going to be doing this (laughs) we're going to analyze another book in in famous one-liner quotes no but that's exactly you kind of hit the nail on the head there so the first part of the book is the uh is the perception of things right so Bad things happen to everybody. Um, good things happen to everybody. Sometimes we overestimate our uh, our input into our good luck because we like to think that we are great that this happened to us because we're so talented or whatever. And we say that we have nothing to do with the, the things that have a, a bad impact on us, right? Mm. But having a perception of, say, okay, what what's the... It, it's, it's, it's really trying to figure out what's the, what's the bright side here, like you said. What's the... Uh, what 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 could I do? So say say if something is for your business, somebody sues you guys and it puts you out of business. Mm. Instead of being annoyed by that, 
of something that you've lost that you've worked for three years for being the obstacles way the obstacle there would be an opportunity for you to build something even better start again yeah with the stuff that you learned instead I think of just taking a year off being depressed yeah i think there's definitely levels to perception as in like <laughs> like you can say certain things and it's like fair enough right you learned your lesson don't do that again type of thing yeah um like the jocko willing thing good you know yeah that happened good but then it gets ridiculous i mean if something really tragic tragic happens <laughs> What can you say to that? Like, just grit your teeth and say good. <laughs> kind of like, so that yeah. most people who haven't seen that video. Type in Jacko Willink. Good. It's like three. Yeah, but long. like, it's good. Okay, a hurricane blows down your house. How's that? How's how's that good? How can you be stoic about that? Do they go to extremes in stoicism? It goes to death. That's the. Does it? That's the main okay. thing. So, because because you're going to die, you're supposed to remember that a lot. So it. it it puts kind of everything in perspective. So death's the worst thing. This isn't death. It didn't kill me. Mm. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> That's kind of a good way of thinking. I, I have used that myself to to stop worrying about certain things. I was, it's a weird thing. You think it would make you worry more, but it doesn't. I was worried yesterday. Not worried, but you know, in sales, things are contracts are out there and stuff. And you're, you know, yeah. not worried, which kind of think, okay, did I do everything? Okay, I got to look at this. That guy's gone on holiday now. All this type of stuff, right? Uh, and then I thought to myself, this could be my last day. Mm. And I changed my my perception completely. I had a great evening watching movies or whatever, you know, eating popcorn. Mm. And I think that that really does help if you'd be like, you know what? Tomorrow this could be all over and this is not going to matter. So someone said to me as well, uh, it was a sales manager, uh, said to me, oh, we lost a big deal. And he said, in five years, when you look back, do you think you'll care about this? And I was like, absolutely not. And then he goes, well, okay then why don't you feel like that now so yeah well say it ha something happens to you like you lose a big deal um are you supposed to if, if you're you know the op using the obstacle is the way and being a stoic are you supposed to just shake that off in two seconds or are you, are you allowed to give yourself a minute are you allowed to give yourself a day what's too short what's too long you know i think that's part of the philosophical uh, philosophical rather um kind of debate like as long as i think you're seeing it as an opportunity like even if it's in any way like if you can come to any conclusion that what's happening is an opportunity like that's you've you've beaten a lot of people because a lot of people just say i can't do this job it's not gonna it's not for me or whatever mm. um there's and it, later on in the book they talk about staying power and i think that if you're not if you don't have a stoic mindset about a lot like a kind of a long-term view and you're you're not all in with something um, I I think that it's hard to be successful in the long term, do you know? And I mm. think that you know I've tried to start lots of different businesses, and I think maybe that's what happens to me. I get a kind of bump in the road and go, ah, grand. I'll just go back to my salary job, do you know? Mm. And I think that having a little bit more, like I'm doing this until I'm dead, so I don't care if I'd have lost that deal. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. The kind of commitment, um, where it's like, I I think that uh, we live. Uh, the people who are not successful are living in very short windows of time. And the people who yeah. are uber successful, who, who we've spoken to on the podcast, time is infinite. It's an endless game, really, for those guys and girls. It's not like, mm. okay, I got to get this done by next year or else, you know. Um, 
So just an interesting yeah. look at there. So, so it's that thing of seeking obstacles, almost. Are you supposed to then seek an obstacle to push through it as opposed to try go around, keep going around, you know, get to the top by, you know. It's okay. um, I don't know why I'm thinking of a, a wrestling analogy where Ric Flair hid under the, the ring during the Royal Rumble and then got in and won. So you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> No, I don't know if that's exactly what Marcus Aurelius was talking about, but I guess I, I kind of see where you come from. I think it's the it's one of the one of the things. That, so the first part of the book is perception. So it's all about how you see things. Um, uh, what I always think of if something bad happens, or what I try to think of actively, if something bad happens, like you know, out of your control, like a disaster happens in your life, I always think that's going to be that could be a really interesting chapter. Is that an inflection point? what's next, you know? And I think that maybe that's, I never had any mental health issues or anything like that. And people have chemical stuff. I'm not talking about that, but I think that having a bright future based on what happened or say, you know, this is, this is going to be a great comeback story. So I love, I love the title of Donald Trump's second book. You know, the art, the art of the comeback. (laughs) Everyone loves a comeback. It doesn't matter. If you say if you are interviewing some of you're hiring you're expanding like crazy next year and you're hiring mm-hmm. somebody and they were the best recruiter at this or that you know for five years and they you know they race cars on the weekend they broke their back they've been out of work for two years they've clawed their way back to be able to walk and everything like that that's the that's the guy that you want on the team do you know what I mean? for, for me for my team anyway do you know but they're the people you want on the podcast as well <laughs> exactly you know? All the people that are our favorite guests uh, went through the Celtic Tiger and were completely destroyed. We don't have favorites. We're not allowed to say that. <laughs> All the people, yeah. Well, some of the guys that are, you know, have the best listenership, let's say. Mm. Um, I think that the, people love the comeback story. So Okay, well, here's 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 an argument to that is if you're seeking obstacles and the obstacles are making you, you know, making your life worthwhile and, and you're learning the most and all, like, what if what if you hit an obstacle that's so big it traumatizes you? I think that's what people are afraid of. I was thinking about this. The and then day. you're stuck, you know. But what is trauma? Like, is it like what is it manifested in? Is it when you go to bed and a bad thing is playing like a video in your mind? Is I that? I don't think so. I don't. I again, I'm not an expert. I know. Um, so we're probably two people who, well, you went through something as a, as a child, obviously, you know, yeah. but you're probably too young to have the real effects of it. But it's something that you can't, I think it puts you into a state of, um, I think I read recently, it puts you into a state of survival mode and therefore your body is constantly in survival mode and it can't go back to baseline. And yeah. then it eats it in a way. It kind of just starts destroying itself in different ways um, There's a- because of that. There's a, and I tried to get Mark to read this book. If you want Mark to really take his life to the next level. Um, Is this supernatural? You, yeah, you got to get on this. Uh, I've started reading. I was about to text you going, what is this? You need to get on. Mark, okay, read the whole I mean, thing. I'm 20 minutes into the audiobook. So we're talking about um, we're t- talking about becoming supernatural um, by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Just, it's a really is he a real doctor now or is he like, you know, Dr. Dre or? I think he's a chiropractor, so I'd... You make your own money. I don't actually, I don't know what type of doctor he is, right? Um, but my, my point is, his whole thing is, he has a very freeing philosophy where it's like, the your thoughts are what create your future. 
right basically so yeah. he says think about what you're what you're going to do in your life experience what that's like and then your your actions will be based off that that future as if it's already happened right because what he's okay. saying so forget about the like he goes way too far he goes way okay. way too far but i'm talking about there's a nugget in there where he says if you always think about the same things you always thought about you always get what you always got yeah right so if you're stuck if you're stuck in the past he said he calls it the habitual past where it's a habit your mind you wake up you think the same things all the time think I, I hate my job i hate my wife hate my whatever uh my life's going badly i'm getting fat i'm getting old whatever and you're thinking about those things all the time you'll never change your life will never change it goes mm -hmm. on he, he talks about this inertia where you need something to to change it you need to be able to feel like it's going to feel when you've got those things or not those things but those the life that you're trying to change so um his whole thing is you go you know meditate on what your what your plan is feel like you've already got it because the the feeling releases the 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 chemicals in the brain that it's already happened right so when you act in the world like things have already happened it, it, the 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 actions that you take are based on your future self like it's based on how you feel in the future so you've mm -hmm. already felt it so if you want to act like somebody who's a you know a, a, a olympic swimmer but you're always thinking about you know i didn't get enough sleep last night you know it's always the same thoughts he's trying to break that completely that's in that's interesting because the the, the goal setting thing that i done has affirmations that actually you have to write out and to read every morning and it's it says why do i love the fact that i and then insert goal that you want so it's yeah. like that i am this or that i live here so yeah. that he, he must have taken it from that it's exactly the same type of yeah. thing. Uh, Joe goes a bit crazy. He goes right, right down into it. But um, I, th I just think he was talking about different realms and stuff. And yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> we just finished the book, right? Because <laughs> it's it's a you know it's a it's a good thing. But it just kind of thirteen and a half hours to go. So he talks about um, he talks about how like you can wait for trauma to change. He said that's a very you know if something bad happens to you, you can change. Like for him, he was knocked down during a triathlon, broke his back and stuff. I could walk. So that's why he changed. But he said, you yeah. don't have to wait, you know, until something really bad happens. But anyway, I'm getting off yeah. uh, topic here. That's um, a separate. That's maybe next week, next month's book review. Also, in the perception part of the the obstacle is the way. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me is uh, he, he said, talks about stoicism being the art of not panicking. He says that's a real layman's term, what way of actually putting it, isn't it? That's kind of what it is. It's the art of not panicking. Um, mm. I was stuck in a um, in a lift in Ibiza, and um, it was nighttime in the hotel. No one was around, and it was pro it was we were packed in. There was probably I don't know eight of us in a very small. Like everyone's shoulder to shoulder, and there was some people that were panicking and some people that weren't. The people who weren't panicking were able to call mm -hmm. the hotel, get them to send somebody over, and stuff like that. The other people were turning into. Like they were useless. There was completely useless to the situation, you know. I'm not going to tell you, tell you which one I was, right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> but my point is the art of not panicking. When when do you panic, Mark? Very rarely. I can't even think. I mean, of panic, like. Um, I should. I you should probably know this 
straight off, shouldn't you? What's a real panicky situation? I actually, I actually can't think. Uh, but maybe like, no, it's like when if say the kids are younger and they're about to to run in to some, to a to water or a pool or a whatever, you know, yeah. that kind of rush of adrenaline. It's not a panic. That's a real reaction. That's a proper reaction. You kind of need yeah. that adrenaline. That's different. I'm talking about if you lose your job, there's a you, you can have a long yeah. panic. I wouldn't panic in li- lifts. I wouldn't panic in heights. I wouldn't. Um, there probably, I'm sure there is. But I, just, I don't know. You put me. Why? Where do you panic? I, I would say. I I I get over things pretty quickly. Um, mm. So like, if bad things happen, we just move on. But. If I am maybe stuck somewhere, I don't like that too much. Um, like stuck on a Ferris wheel or something. <laughs> I would panic a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, but the art of not panicking. Yeah. Do you know where a lot of people panic? And it's it's a great obstacle to put in your way. And it's actually a really good example of what you should do if you want to kind of learn this stuff. Public speaking. 100%. Such an obvious one and such an easy enough one to actually master and yeah. to get past and really... Uh, open so many avenues and makes you so much better in loads of different ways by being comfortable in the uncomfortable situation. It is an uncomfortable situation to stand in front of everyone, you know, hundreds of people. I, I was in a, a recently, this is kind of, I just kind of where I, did, I, pa- I didn't really panic, but it didn't go well. Um, I was invited to a uh, alumni um, thing in, uh, in college mm. and uh, to speak to the, you know, the 400 people in the, in the year of what I did uh, for my degree in. And I was told it was going to be a panel discussion where it was going to be me and two other people that actually I wanted to get on the podcast. Um, uh, That's why I did it. But uh, I thought it was going to be that type of format, questions and answers, right? So I didn't prepare anything. When was Uh, this? This was like a year ago or so. Oh, I thought it was like last week or something. You didn't tell me. (laughs) And uh, anyway, I went there and there's hundreds of people there and they're like, oh, you know, we just want you to kind of give 10, 15 minute speech on, you know, what you did after college, you know, some of the challenges you had, some of the successes you have, stuff like that. I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't have anything prepared. They're like, yeah, it's fine. Just tell them the kind of just what your experience is. And I got up there and I was like, um, that's no, podium. that would make anybody panic. <laughs> like, did you see uh, Boris Johnson recently with his, when he hadn't got a speech prepared or he lost his notes? No, like a couple of days ago, he went to wing it. I can't remember what it was. He was giving a speech about something and he'd obviously nothing to say then because he really needed his notes. As I can imagine, he's a million things going on. But he started talking about his trip to Peppa Pig World. And it was kind of Trump-esque where he'd kind of make it up as he goes along and trying to correlate that to to other things, to relevant things that are going on. It was an absolute, it's gone viral, it's an absolute mess. But he panicked because he didn't, have his notes. Yeah. Uh, That's cruel to actually do that to someone to, to just say, go on out and just, you know, talk about yourself. Yeah. Especially because I, I didn't think that I was, because I I went to speeches in college and like with really, you know, very successful people. And I was kind of like doing okay. You know, I'm not like there Mm. yet. It's not cooked. Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit. There's a bit of performance in it. Yeah. I think I, I, if I, if I knew it, I could have done a lot better, but there was a little bit of a panic there. Um, for the second part of the book, it's kind of an interesting one. And I think that it, it's basically the, the doctrine of action is what the, what it's all about. And some of this kind of ties into other books that we've talked about. Um, one is do your job, do it right. Just focus on what you can control. 
Um, one of the big things in Stoicism, uh, I think it was Seneca, actually it was Demosthenes, um, who was like, you know what, every time something happens to you, see if it was in your um, in your control or out of, con- out of your control and only worry about the things that are in your control. Yeah. How many people worry about the housing prices? How many people worry about um, the the vaccine mandates? How many people are worried, spending real effort worried about that? Mm. And this is a this is a type of the the type of thing that stoicism can really help these people reading these books to say, you know, if it's not in my control, I'm not even gonna, I'm just gonna mm. do my work and do it right. Do you know? Is that a uh, the argument there is that's quite a selfish point of view to have like on politics a lot of people worry about politics get really wound up really bad mental health at the moment about people yeah. worried about different different political issues icu capacity all that kind of stuff you know so who are they going to vote for yeah but like would you rather be kind of just focus on your own i've talked about this before your own family and friends and have sound mental health or have bad mental health and worry about your one vote out of you know how many million Mastinus would say that it wouldn't matter anyway if you if you're worried about those things. It's out of your control. So, you know, like we've got one vote, I know, but like I've I've taken a Tim Ferriss approach here and I've uh, chosen selective ignorance. So I don't watch yeah. the news. I literally have no idea what case numbers, mm. beds. It's not my job. I, my job is to make sure we have enough money in the house, to pay the bills. I think the, the yeah, but usually that's quite oh, that's quite okay to be like that but the problem at the moment is that because things have been changing like at a, a, such a fast pace day by day people feel a lot of people do have to kind of keep up today you know am i allowed in tomorrow am i allowed to go here tomorrow do the kids go here tomorrow like you have to and it's never been like that before where you have to you know tune in every day to to a news feed yeah. that you know god knows what they're telling you just just so you know what to do the next day so like it's almost like it's by design almost so how are you supposed to switch off to that well, maybe you can maybe try it and, well, I, and see what happens so there's a few drawbacks and like i don't know what's happening with um mm. so like come back to my office and stuff i don't really know the rules because i you know i, I don't get in uh get involved joe um but I, I i find if if i uh try to do something and i can't because of the rules people will tell me there's enough uh police out there that are watching the news every day let me know yeah so they'll police me. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the uh, so in the in the book of uh, the, the second part action. So do your job. Do do it right. Uh, follow the process. That's just something that interesting that I f- really struggle with doing that. So I know what, what process. Uh, so follow whatever the process is that you're that you're doing regardless of what's coming at you so i think sales is a good way to think about this the process of sales is it's a contact sport you need to contact as many people as possible that's it you need to have as many pokers in the fire as possible i know that i've been in selling stuff for 15 years basically you know and you know you should be doing this amount of outreach you need to do business development you need to talk to the right people um like Grant Cardone says, who's got my money? That's what you got to talk talk to yourself about in the morning, every day. <laughs> who's got the money? Who's, what's mm. the money call? Let's contact that person, Joe. And when you have a thick pipeline, I find myself drifting from the process. 
saying, oh, you know, there's plenty, go- plenty going on right now. Oh, I, I got to get back to that. I'd love to meet with this guy. But you know what? I've got, you know, I've got this report. That I need I need to get it done, you know? So I'll put that meeting off till next week or whatever. Do you know what I mm-hmm. um, Even though I know the process and I, I'm trying to, uh, what I use is a, uh, like a project management tool to keep me on track. Because yeah. if it's a list, then I do it. If it's something that I know I should do, I don't usually do. Yeah, it's it's like that, you know, the book, the score will take care of itself if you just exactly. kind of do the process. But whatever it is, it's very hard, even though we know, as long as the process is right, and most of the time, you know, if you're in a profession or whatever, you kind of know the process has been tried and tested. But whatever it is, you, the mind just drifts and... It's about getting back. I wonder, does is the is the distractions in modern life? Does that make that worse? I was thinking about this the other day. Like, like I was trying to, you know, get motivated to do something, and I was going, I just go watch Netflix. Do you know? I, mm. I I wonder is it it makes it harder for us to stay stay the course because there's so much entertainment around. Yeah. And we're gonna we're actually gonna talk about that in a minute, but but how, well, how you get around that is by structuring your your day. It might sound it might sound like kind of boring and rigid, but but is that is that quote saying like structure equals freedom or discipline equals freedom? Discipline equals freedom. I couldn't agree that, more. Yeah. Otherwise, you, you're just gonna be all over the place. You know, seeking dopamine hits left, right, and center. How about you save them for you know APM onwards or whatever it is. I guarantee you'd be happier by the, at the end of the week. Here's one. Here's here's the last part of this. The second part of the book. So the last part of the the uh, action part. Yeah. Prepare for none of this to work. What do you think about that, Mark? Um. This to explain this a little bit further. It's the the same as, or it it's kind of related to Tim Ferriss because he was influenced a lot by the Stoic writings. Mm. It's the four hour work week. It's related to his um, his concept of uh, you know meditate on what's the worst thing that can happen and feel like what that feels like follow through with that and then see what's on the other side of that. So when he talks about when you're trying to quit your job to start your own business or whatever, um, think about the worst thing that can happen. So as that, okay, I have to go back and live with my parents. I could probably get my job back in a couple of months and be at the same level. Um, if I had to, I could live on rice and beans for like uh, six months if I had to. So mm. That's the worst thing. Uh, and could get kind of okay with that. Um, so so when things do happen, you don't panic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And Seneca writes these letters to one of his mates down in Sicily who's getting sued. Um, and uh, <laughs> he's really worried. He's like, I'm going to lo- lose everything. And then he was like, okay, just think about the worst case scenario just keep thinking about that the whole time and get really comfortable with that then you won't worry about it say what's that's so act as if that's already happened so whatever it's like it's like, like black swan planning say all these things sit down all of these the worst case scenarios of everything this is what i would do then then you don't have to be panic or worried because you've got the mindset mm. in place you know? that's why yeah that, again, it all makes sense, but that's why people who had nothing and then go on to have a lot of things, they one, they actually really are grateful for what they have because they know what it feels like to have nothing. 
but also they know that it's probably not the end of the world if if they lose everything. Whereas somebody who's born into a baseline of wealth, they can't even imagine. They actually can't do that <laughs> imaginary thing, that that thing of focusing on what's the worst that can happen because they've never even experienced it. I kind of I, th- I mentioned on the podcast before um, when I was moved to Canada in my mid twenties and we had no money. Like we talk about that time as if it was the most exciting time in our life. Like we don't look back and say, "Oh, like that was." We were really living. We were feeling it every day, do you know. Mm. And uh, in a way, you've not in a way you've nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's the only way is up, as they say. Um, so, yeah. So if you can kind of get your head around that, the the final part of the the book before we go into some stoic quotes here, I know we could talk all day about this type of thing, um, is the will. So the discipline of the will. So it's kind of like pig-headedness, uh, building your inner cit- citadel. He talks about so. Building your inner, inner citadel is like saying that doesn't matter outside forces can't rock me. Nothing's I'm gonna be focused on what I'm doing, what the what the plan is, following the process. If you you know, and at the end of the the last part of that chapter, um, it, which is I think is tied to the inner citadel, is uh, expect bad luck. Mm. But no one ever expects bad luck. Like. If you expect it, when you have when I get bad luck, I'm like, what happened? What? <laughs> Do you mean I really rocked by it? I would. I think that I'm such a lucky guy. You know, generally, yeah. That when something bad happens, I'm I'm crushed by it. You know, yeah. I, Only for a minute, but I think how I counteract that is by. Let's say if you do a certain amount of actions, you're going to have bad luck because you've, you've done so many things, it's going to happen, right? And, and, but the goal there is actually to, to be very, very active and try lots of things and keep going. Yeah. So therefore, the, when the bad luck does happen, it's just one of, you know, a thousand things that you've tried as opposed to like just focusing, putting all your eggs in one basket type of thing. And then when that goes, you're crushed. So I would say keep up, keep your activity high. And that's probably why I work so much and stuff like that. Because when the bad luck does happen, it happens all the time to everyone. Um, it doesn't hurt as much. The the kind of the last part of this, and maybe we'll finish on the book before we jump into some stoic quotes and stuff like that that I've got all lined up for us, is uh, love everything that happens to you. How hard is that for some people? It's, it's almost impossible, I would say. Like, it's, it's impossible. It's laughable, in my opinion, to, 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 uh, of a quote like. <laughs> but it's like so. It's the the thing of uh, a more fatty, uh, you know, love the faith that you have, because it's an opportunity for X, Y, and Z. You lose your leg, I'm going to be in the Paralympics. That type of mm. feeling. Do you like know What do you think about that? Impossible. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> It's oh, we were going so well. It's a tough one to swallow, but um, let's let's dig into. This. So, like, what do you give the the book out of ten? Um, because it reaffirms a lot of views that I had already. I give it. Oh, hold on, like it, 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 it's not like groundbreaking, as in like it's based on a, you know, an ancient philosophy essentially. So for that, you can't give it a ten out of ten because it's not, it's not a new thing. Yeah. Um, but it kind of makes it, it puts it into perspective and gives modern day examples. Yeah. 
and and obviously gives historic examples as well. I base it on like how much uh, how much impact it would have on a, a random person or a friend of mine. Yeah, would it would it actually change the way they think? Would it actually make a difference in their life? I'd say yeah. So I'd say I'd say an eight out of ten. Eight, nice. I think for me, I think what you're talking about there is that it was so the stoicism kind of affected how uh, society has developed in some ways. So that's why you feel or we see it in different areas, whether that's Jocko Willink, whether that's um, the the uh, score looks after itself. And you know, it's kind of tied into a lot of stuff that we'd be into anyway. So obviously I, I find it's uh, it's interesting. I did get, if I get two or three uh, kind of good bits out of it, uh, I give it a, a high score. So I'm going to, I'm going to rock in with a seven on this. Um, mm. I think that like, I really like the examples and stuff like that. Um, but I think seven, just because it, like I said, it's not, it's not completely applicable there is stuff to take from it, but it's not going to be something I'm going to really change the way I'm doing stuff based on that book. Um, I think it opens the door into stoicism if you want to look at that further. And then the more you read on it, the more you kind of, you'll take on board. Yeah. But it's not really like, right, go out and do X, Y, and Z. You're not going to, pra- going to put it into practice straight away, but it's more having it in the back of your head all the time. Exactly. And I think that like it really, it led me to kind of different examples that he has here like i've got the quote that i'm going to read out here is about uh theodore roosevelt who i've been going deep on lately has downloaded mm, i don't know i don't know much about him so theo um he is for me there's a little bit of a kind of personal thing here because his dad was the is so theodore roosevelt is like this swashbuckling president who is is just get up and go we're gonna be the best you know, American expansionism. We're going to, you know, you guys said we can't build the Panama Canal. I'm going to go down there and show you we can do it. I'm going to get into the JCB. I'm going to start pushing trees around. I don't know how to even work it. I'm getting on. We're doing it. Do you know? And um, so he was a very kind of big influence. Um, he did lots of, like, I've, no one's perfect. You know, you can, if you want to, you know, he's a, a forceful guy, you know. Not, a, not, a, not everyone's a big fan, but... Um, like he was the one who nationalized the parks in America, that type of thing. A big thinker, loves the outdoors, that type of thing. Um, but he was when he was born, he was born as a with a very bad uh, case of uh, asthma, so he couldn't lie down for years. And they said he's going to be in a wheelchair, all this type of stuff. And it was his dad who carried him upright for the first four years of his life, everywhere he went, carried him on his back, because that's the only way that he couldn't uh he wouldn't be choking all the time and he sets up like a gym in their in their house and he's constantly working out his legs and everything like that do you know what i mean he's like we're gonna there's no excuse mm. we're gonna keep going and because like the my situation where my son has some physical uh kind of things to overcome do you know it's kind of an inspiring story for me because you know it's kind of the, the roosevelt's the president he gets the glory but it was the kind of the dad had a big input on that, and mm. he kind of Theodore, like he kind of is never, like he really focuses on his fitness and stuff like that. Kind of takes that personally, um, but without that type of input, and you never really like. Usually, it's uh, the people are just great, but they don't really talk about their dads, their moms that much. 
kind of mm. push them. This time, it's very, uh, it's kind of personal for me. But listen to some of his quotes. His quotes are really good. You'll love Theodore Roosevelt. I'm you sure would, I know a few of them, yeah. Yeah, here's a... My choice is to wear out. I think it's this idea that, you know, use it. to rust out because he was born with this crippling case of asthma and he was sickly and frail. He basically realizes his father tells him as a young man, look, it doesn't matter how smart you are if you don't have the body to go with it. And he decides that he only gets one life and he's not going to spend it sitting around being frail, being weak, not being able to do things. And so he gets to work building his body. His father puts a gym in their house. There's no one who looks at the life of this man, his cowboy days, his writing days, his time as president, his time after the presidency. Nobody looks at this guy's life and says he wasted it, right? Nobody says that he left anything on the table. When I think about rusting out or wearing out, I just think about seizing the day, not waiting for some future when you're going to do something, but getting to work, doing what you can, resting at the end, not in the middle. Don't defer till later. Put in the work now. So that's that. That was Ryan Holiday, the the author, talking about that particular quote. But I've got the whole quote here, Mark. Do you like it here? Bum bum bum. Where is it? It's basically uh, he says uh, a soft, easy, uh, a soft, easy life is not worth living if it impairs the fiber uh, and fiber of the brain, heart, and muscle. Uh, we must dare to be great. We must realize that greatness is the fruit of toil, sacrifice, and high courage. For, uh, where is it so? For is the life of action, of strenuous performance of duty. Let us live in the, in the harness, uh, striving mightily. Let us rather run the risk of wearing out than rusting out. What do you think of that? That's a great quote, yeah. God damn, makes me want to get, get going, do you know? <laughs> He's like, yeah, my lungs don't work. Let's, I'd rather, you know, have my body wrecked than just sit around letting it rust. So, yeah. So that's uh, that's our boy Theodore, and we might do. I will read the book, and then we might do a Theodore Roosevelt one. I was also thinking about doing a um, a great Irish man, you know, JFK. Mm. <laughs> do you know? Can I? Or, you know, that type could of could do a JFK speech or something. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, so I just do one of these more uh, uh, stoic quotes from our boy. Um, Ryan Holiday. Marcus really says the best revenge is to not be like that, right? And he says this as a guy who experiences a coup, who's slandered, who all sorts of bad things happen to, right? And so what's he gonna do? Is he going to debase himself by being like the people who did wrong to him? Or is he gonna be above it? Right? Is he going to stick to his principles? Because what the Stoics believe is that the people who do wrong, even if they are rewarded for it in some ways, are ultimately punished by it. Right? Think of the worst people you know, the people who have screwed you over the most in life. Ask yourself, would you really want to live inside them? Right? Would you really want to be them? No, you wouldn't, because you know deep down it's miserable to be them. And you know that you could get away with the things that they do but that's not why you don't do them. You don't do them because you know it would degrade you, it would make you worse. And that's what Marcus Aurelius means when he says, the best revenge is to not be like that. And I try to remember this always when I'm going through things, when I'm attacked, when somebody screws me over. I go, look, I gotta deal with this. I gotta figure out my way through it, but what I'm not going to do 
is debase myself in response to it. And that goes back to the Epictetus thing. We don't control what happens, we control how we respond, and we don't want that response to make us worse as people. What do you think about that, Mark? Did you know, according to the latest research, an average person is wasting... <laughs> I gotta, I gotta pay for that extra YouTube uh, without ads, I think. But uh, what do you think about that? Are you kind of a revengeful guy, or would you kind of stick it to them? I mean, there's a, a chapter in um, "How to Get Rich" by uh, Donald Trump where he talks about that. It's called uh, "Sometimes You Gotta Screw." Him. No, I don't think. No, I don't think you have to. You can use it for fuel to to do the right thing. I think there's something in, you know, feeling that kind of you want to get revenge or you know get get one over on someone, but you don't, you don't have to do it in a bad way. In my opinion, you can use that as fuel to do it the right way. Um, which I'm sure he did given that, like he was in control of, you know, armies and stuff like that. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't a, a pacifist. No, for sure. But I think, you know, I think after this episode, I'm kind of like, Mark, I think you're a stoic. Everything you're me? like, yeah, that sounds, you're like, yeah, that sounds good. I don't, um, I'm, yeah, no, I think, I think I actually am. Um, I, I think a lot of people are naturally. I think that um, you're, I think it's less than you think. And I, I think we always think that people are like us, but I don't think people are like you. I think people <laughs> are vengeful, spiteful. They had, there's people out there like that. Um, I've always been that way as well. So I kind of have a, um, I feel like if someone is like that, say, well, I, I don't do those types of things. Well, put it this way. Yeah. Look. I don't think there's one right way. I don't think like stoicism is ne is necessary. Everybody has to be like that. And I don't know how that would work in a society if everybody was like that. But put it this way, I've never felt, I, I've never thought to myself, I wish I was more reactionary or I wish I was more vengeful or I wish I was more, you know, maybe I wish I was a bit more emotional at, at times, but <laughs> but I am, but I just, I just don't show it externally. And I suppose that's that's part of it, isn't it? So I think on that note, we'll uh, leave it to the listeners to decide whether the <laughs> obstacle is the way or not. Around the obstacle might be the way for some people, but they won't they won't get the joy of achieving anything. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. You might be WWF champion, but you know, you got it by in a sneaky way. Exactly. And he has spent more money on spilt liquor. Sorry. I go into <laughs> Uh, Rick Flair. Okay, cool. Okay, guys, we'll leave it there for today. Uh, go out, get the book, uh, audio, book it, or listen to it on YouTube where it's free. Thanks, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Emil. <laughs>